And good afternoon, and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet, and I'm here in the studio with Laurent Landis. Patty has the week off. Um, you know, Laurent, the pandemic's over, and the electric grid's been fixed, right? <laughs> okay, that's news to me. Oh, okay. I guess that didn't happen, <laughs> but the legislature is tackling the biggest threat we have in this state, transgender kids, yeah. because kids are always a problem, aren't they? That, that, that's an emergency, I guess. Uh, it is, it is. Our guest is Amber Briggle. She's a mama bear, and she's been in uh, Austin all of last week, or most of last week, testifying against some really horrible bills uh, that the legislature is uh, considering. Amber, welcome. Welcome, Amber. Hey, thanks so much for having me back. It's been almost exactly a year since the last time we sat, and I just wish it was under happier circumstances. But yeah. I'm grateful to be here. Well, you are our first guest by phone because uh, it was right at the beginning of the pandemic that, yeah, yeah. Right, yep, and we're like, oh, we're on voluntary lockdown, so we're, and we're like, oh, just kidding, we're here for the next six months. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> so when the pandemic's over, you need to join us here in the studio. Yeah, um, you said that a year ago, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you to it, and this is over. Good. Good. Um, okay, so you were testifying because the... Lieutenant Governor is accusing you of being a child abuser. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so that makes sense. Uh, you're a terrible person, and uh, yeah. mm -hmm. we need to acknowledge that. What is what is this bill, uh, the main one that you were testifying against, what is this bill, what would it do? Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of bills going to the legislature now. They're all just, you know, different versions of the same BS. Um, the bill in particular that I spoke against was SB 1646, so the SB was the Senate bill, 1646 was the number, it was ordered, it was a file thing, uh, and it was written by Senator Perry. Um, SB 1646 would uh, classify parents like me who provide um, their children with the medical support that their transgender children, with the medical support that they need um, to be healthy, uh, would be charged with child abuse. Uh, the original bill was written so that parents like me would be thrown in jail for mm -hmm. two to ten years. Our children would be removed from our homes. Um, I believe that the criminal provision of that has been rescinded. Uh, I think that's not really the point. The point is they're trying to criminalize supportive care for trans kids. I have a lot to say about that, so I'm really glad we have an hour. But that's essentially the bill that I was testifying against on Monday. Um, and but there was there were I believe like four or five bills just last week um, that were similar to that. Though SB 1646 was the most <clears throat> most extreme of all of them in that it was criminal parents. But there's many many attempts to um, to basically criminalize or or either criminalize healthcare for trans kids or uh, just make it completely inaccessible to them. So it's a huge it's a huge issue, and parents of trans kids and trans people themselves are just terrified and set up like we've been doing this for too long and it's you know as i said in my remarks i'm sorry i'm so long-winded i'm glad we have an hour but i said as i said in my testimony it's like and as you said in your opening remarks to the show today you know the electric grid failed like two months ago and, it almost failed last week you know, again when it was 70 yeah. degrees out yep Air conditioners like literally not even running. Get your act together. Like, is this what we're going to be spending our time doing? Is is regulating trans bodies instead of regulating the electric grid? It's just infuriating. 
Well, I was just going to say, um, Max generates electricity, doesn't he, for the state? <laughs> Thank you. You both make sure that have a lot of energy. They do. Okay. They do. So I, there's a lot to un, there's a lot to unravel um, about what you what you mentioned about what what their with the uh, bill SB sixteen forty six what what it what it wants to do and so I wanted to read exactly what um, at least what they have written what the bill says yeah. um, consenting to or assisting in the administering or supplying of a puberty suppression prescription drug or cross hormone to a child other than an intersex child for the purpose of gendering, gender transitioning, or gender reassignment, or performing or consenting to performance of surgery or other medical procedure of a child other than an intersex child for the purpose of gender transitioning or gender reassignment. So I didn't know that part, but they do make an exception. All of this horrific, but they do make an exception for intersex children. Yeah, I mean, as the bill was written, but and, it, yes, they, they do. And there wasn't intersection of the bill who, who testified that maybe even she was against this bill. She's like, y'all, this is really, this is how ridiculous that we So, but yes, they do make an exception for that. So, I, 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 I saw your testimony, um, which was very powerful, and I, I just felt horrific that a, a parent would even have to go down and testify yeah. um, to, mm -hmm. to even have to do something like that. But I was curious, were there any doctors or medical professionals that testify like hey this is this is barbaric yeah there were um they did not get enough time um so so the the bill's author i you know i had never testified before um i didn't know what that process was going to look like um and, and the, the, i learned that day that the bill's author um it got to invite his own you know quote-unquote expert witnesses Mm -hmm. um, and these were, you know, doctors who, you know, were previous presidents of whatever psychological, you know, pediatric association or, you know, whatever doctors did or whatever. But they retired, like, 2004, right? Like, a decade before the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with their um, affirming guidelines on how to, the best practices for how to care for transgender patients, right? So they're way out of the loop. And so they have, they have these quote unquote expert witnesses up there who are working off of old data, old science, like bad facts, you know, to prove that the author has an agenda that he wants to get passed. So they were passed off as being the experts who got the teeth, you know, whatever crap that in. And then, and then, and the whole community was there for those people, all the people. And then they left. Then all but two senators left for them. Well, we the people, they work for us, not the other way around. We the people who took time off of work, drove hours across the state, rented hotel rooms so we could be there on Sunday mornings, pleaded for hours from mercy. There were two senators in that particular. They were both listening. They were both listening. I'll, I'll come back around to it. But there was a chair who was there and Senator Beverly Powell, who is an ally to the LGBTQ, and I was very grateful that she was there. Anyway, um, there were doctors who were there who testified and they're like, look, here's a list of like 400 organizations, right? Of like, and they spend like those two minutes like, you know, trans-affirming healthcare is, um, you know, backed up by, you know, this organization, this organization, you know, American Academy of Pediatrics and like nurses, and, you know, like all this stuff. And they, you know, they were giving two minutes and there were no follow-up questions and there were no benefits for them. Um, later that week, this was on Wednesday, 
there was a, a house bill um, that was, uh, I, think, I think what it was with the house bill is that it was 18, 1399 as well, you can pull that out too. And the bad house bill I want to say would like remove a doctor's insurance, liability insurance, something that they provided. Uh, healthcare for a, a transitional healthcare for a transgender patient. And please forgive me if I'm not getting that right, but it's, again, they're all different versions of the same DS. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Jimena Lopez, who is, I believe, the president of the Pediatric Endocrine Society, she was, you know, just also called it to just like any, any other person that could come in and just give like two minutes of testimony, right? She is like verifiably like the expert on this. And she was given two minutes. Thank goodness that the committee uh, there after a lot of questions. She was up there for maybe maybe half an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, it didn't matter. It was, and for people who don't know who she is, she uh, runs the gender uh, clinic at Children's the Hospital. She does. So she was there testifying mm-hmm. um, as the as a you know, as president of the pediatric endocrine society. That was kind of the hat she was wearing. Oh, she thing. she yeah. is one of the national experts on the issue. She is the expert. Yeah, and she and, and she just gets, you know, she just keeps her fingers crossed if I even call her name before time is up. Right? And then she gets two minutes. It's talk about this and it's just it's just off it's just awful. It's, it's people are not being given the facts and then, you know, they're concerned about trans kids when there's nothing to be concerned about. These kids are healthy, they're well adjusted, they're confident. You know, this is clinically proven best practice care. You know, as prescribed by a physician, not, you know, not prescribed by a legislator who just needs to stay in the lane. So it's, it's infuriating. You know, you, you, you just touched on something when you said that they're not giving facts. And I think the larger general population, there's still this notion out there that kids who are transitioning are getting sex changes. And that is not mm-hmm. true. Correct. That is not true. I think, you know, and, and words like chemical castration of like toddlers. It's like standing a break. Like, they don't understand uh, those who are finding I mean, let's be clear. It's the Heritage Foundation, it's an anti LGBTQ hate group. The Heritage Foundation is the one that is writing these bills. They shop them around to sympathetic legislators in all 50 states, which is why we're seeing. And this word for word, the exact same bill filed currently, and I want to say at least 30 states across the country. Yeah, um, and they're using, words like, they're using words like chemical castration and sex change for minors, and that's not what happens. That's, that's not what happens. So, typically, so for your listeners who are unaware of like, what that might look like, when a, when a child is comes out of the at a very young age, that transition is strictly social. Like, it's like, their name, their pronouns, maybe they change their dressing, maybe they grow their hair out or they cut it short. It's just, it's just, you know, uncosmetic, you know, and like, and pronouns and names. Later, and like, this, yeah, I've got, oh, I've got, okay, so then later, um, you know, when they approach, you know, maybe 10, 11, 12, um, that's when, um, under the care of a physician, oftentimes also a therapist, a social worker, and very holistic model of care, um, then those transgender children are given the option of um, receiving hormone blockers. And it could be like a shock or an implant. But basically, just, it just causes puberty. It gives everyone just a chance to just stop and breathe and think about what the next step will be. And these children are typically on these blockers 
for a couple of years to talk to try to stop and think about this. That's an, That's an important point I think we need to like highlight. Hormone blockers, not hormones. Right, right. And That's another misconception. Exactly. And that's the sense that we've been around 10 or 11 years when it's been given to you. Now, this is reversible. The kids aren't going to stay on blockers for their life. Like, something can happen eventually. But for a couple of years, you get a chance to just kind of stop and breathe. Now, these blockers are the exact same blockers that cisgender children receive when they are experiencing precocious puberty, right? You've got an eight-year-old cisgender girl who's suddenly getting her period. She's going to go on blockers too. And all these you know, transgender uh, transitional healthcare are like, these blockers are not working in again and again and Like they're not like they're not getting their panties all up in a while when they talk about cisgender girls, you know, <laughs> receiving you know medical care. So it's exact same medication. And it's, you know, it could be argued too that these cisgender girls are even younger than the trans kids who are taking it at an older age. So that that is complicated too. And then later, you know, after years, you know, years of being on blockers, uh, you know, you eventually have to make which which direction you can go. And and many times trans children, along with the um, counsel of their doctors, their, their mental and healthcare professionals, their parents, their clergy, like, it's like, you know, they, they, this is not, this rapid onset kind of dysphoria is not a thing. This is a long thought-out process. And later, you know, when these children are 14, 15 years old, then they're given the option of receiving either testosterone or estrogen, and then puberty begins, right? And, and what's the clear too, if, if these children, these parents of the children are able to receive the hormone treatment that can save their lives, really, at a younger age, then we know I'm going to be talking about these gender affirmation surgeries at a later age. But, but the transgender boy doesn't develop breasts because he's on blockers and then later on testosterone. Right. He doesn't need soft surgery. You know what I mean? And so they're, they're, just, they're, they're not thinking this through. They're thinking chemical castration and we're cutting off breasts. It's like we're, we're literally not doing that. We're talking with our doctors. And they're not giving that information, and, and the doctors who are the are not given the time to speak, and when they do speak, they're not giving the attention. You're but giving you're giving them much them. too much credit. You're giving these senators yeah. much too much credit. You're saying they're not getting the information. They have the information, right? Mm -hmm. This is just malicious. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, I mean. If they have information, they're, they're just not there. They're not, they're, they're not listening to the information. They're, they're listening to the... It, it, it's basically they're, they're putting these trans kids on the front line of an invented culture war, putting them right on the front line, using them as revenue to drum up, you know, support and vote in the primary. And it's just a way that they care more about this than they than they do about, you know, vulnerable kids or actively intentionally putting them on play. Mm -hmm. We need to take a break in just a minute, but um, you said two things during this week, and I saw these both online, and I just love them. One of them that, uh, that you said was that when Max became, uh, became Max, uh, the only thing that changed were some pronouns. And you were talking about, I guess, answering people who uh, wondered, how could you love your kid? A few pronouns changed, same kid. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I mean, when I was pregnant with him, like, I mean, there, I mean, there's a gender of my baby. I just wanted a healthy, happy child. 
And so, and so why would I get fixated on that you have to always and forever be my daughter when that's not you're not happy or healthy being that way? Right? It's, it's, it's what I want is just that kind of child and the best thing is to be a boy and be supporting that. That doesn't make me a child of you. That's the things on it. The other thing that you said uh, when you were describing Max, and this is in relation to your uh, child abuse bill that you were testifying mm -hmm. against, you said Max is the most popular kid in school. Now, mm -hmm. I, I've done some stories and you've talked to people like in the foster system and things like that, and these kids are abused. They're usually withdrawn, they're sullen, mm -hmm. and that doesn't even uh, have anything to do with, uh, with physical abuse with, with a child. But uh, you can, there are some traits that abused children have. Most yeah. popular kid in school is not one of those right. traits. Yes. Straight A student, accomplished athlete, talented musician, you know. Uh, He's clearly thriving. Yeah, friends everywhere. Like, that's not what it is. And doesn't care to wear a dress. And doesn't want to wear a dress. That's true. We you know, that, that night, sorry, just real quick, that yeah. night, he, um, that night after I came home from Austin, uh, he actually crawled into bed with me. Mm -hmm. And I woke up in the morning. It was so sweet. It was clean. And he never does that. Uh, I don't know what it was that you needed, but it was real sweet. When I woke up in the morning, I just thought, you know, abused children do not willingly climb into bed with their abusers. Right. right? And we snuggled and it was sweet. And it's just, it's, it's, people are so misinformed about this, and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. We're talking to child abuser Amber Prickle. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be back with more Lambda the Weekly right after this. And I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis. Uh, Josh is on the board with us. By the way, Josh, congratulations on your yes. summer league book prize for your book, Naming the Leopard. Congratulations. What an awesome honor. Yeah. Does that come with a check? Yes, it does. Oh, nice. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's always good. It's all about the moolah. Our guest is Don't Mess with Texas Mama Bear, Amber Briggle. Uh, so, uh, so, you know, fortunately, there's a lot of these uh, anti-trans bills floating around the country. A couple of them have already passed, um, including one out of, well, it hasn't passed. It passed out of the house in Florida that will require um, gender checks, genital checks. Like this, it's just oh my god, it's just for absurd for athletes. Yeah. For athletes. So, and, and most of these bills seem to center around the sports issue. Do you think that's what prompted? Like, and I know you're it's hard to go into the mind of idiots, but do you think that's what um, prompted? Like, okay, we're gonna go up to the sports issue, so now we need to go into um, the private medical care of these kids. Yeah, no, so what, what prompted you know what prompted this? Um, it was about a year, year and a half ago. There was a very contentious custody battle. Right? Oh yes, I remember that. Yes, where there were there were two children. The mother is a woman. The father is not one of the children is transgender. The father, his name is Jeff Younger. He was uh, an uninvited witness uh, to testify. Mr. Younger, by the way, has been convicted of 121 counts of fraud. And wow. they invited to be a star witness. So, like, grain of salt, he's like, give me a break. Uh, Mr. Younger uh, has made it his life mission to exploit his transgender daughter, misgender her every opportunity he can, 
Um, and, and so I had set up a GoFundMe, which has raised tens of thousands of dollars. We got the attention of Donald Trump Jr., uh, Ted Cruz, Ken Paxton, by the way, who came to my home for, for dinner a few years ago. Um, Ken Paxton wanted CPS to investigate the mother as a child abuser. Right, so here's, here's General Paxton, who came to my home to meet my child, broke bread at my table, and then, and his wife, uh, now State Senator Angela Paxton, is a co-sponsor of SB 1646B2, who have met my family, now claim that my family should not exist. So I have words to talk about wow. that, too. Anyway, this, so he caught the attention of these, um, you know, high-ranking Republican officials with large Twitter followings, um, and these, these people are, you know, sharing his child's private medical information, deadening her. And uh, and I forget which state representative it was who, but it was back then, he's like, I can come to the first OF file, it's going to be a bill that's going to make this child abuse. So that is how this all happened. And I walked into the Senate chambers and I saw Mr. Younger there testifying as an invited witness. I was like, he's not to be kidding Like, here's this guy again. So, you know, that, that's how it happened. I'm not sure how, oh, I think the sports bills happened because there were like, transgender girls like in the state of Connecticut or something that like all around track and they that I don't know and like so now that's the whole thing like and, and when, you, when you ask state representatives and senators across the country like can you point to any specific cases in your state where cisgender athletes have been harmed by playing the trans kids and they literally cannot name a single example or instance well, this it just goes to show again that it's these anti-LGBTQ you know national hate groups like the Heritage Foundation they're the authors of these bills, and they're wasting our tax dollars because our state elected officials need to be working on COVID relief for small businesses. And, like, how many mass shootings have there been in the past month when we get these sensible gun regulation? Like, they're wasting our time by focusing on vulnerable children. It's really frustrating. I mean, the idea that, or the notion that some that a parent can be um, labeled as a criminal, fined, or even jailed for mm-hmm. seeking medical care for their child is it's absurd, it's obscene, and it's mm-hmm. inhumane. And yeah. it, 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 I don't know, it's just like one of those other pieces of evidence that, like, are, is our country regressing? <laughs> this, mm-hmm. this sounds like something that would happen like in the 1600s, but not in 2021. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think our country is right. I, I really, and maybe I'm an eternal optimist, but, I, you know, I, I, I think this is like the last gasp of a dying breed is really what I think it is. I mean, when you look at, you know, when, so when it's that transition, I want to say it was like early 2015. It was like weeks before, no, when was it? It was 2015, yeah. And we, we didn't go public as a family until like a year later. And and, and then and then what happened in twenty sixteen like Donald Trump was elected. Right? And we and we have, you know, gone public um, right around then. And you look at the work that trans kids like Moss and trans advocates across the country have done over the last four years and I I would argue though there are more threats and attacks against them today, I would argue that it's more culturally accepted and understood in our country today what it means to be trans than it was, you know, four or five years ago. Right? Like, people want, I agree. Like, 
like to give the majority of Americans, even the majority of Republicans, interest is nonsense because by now a lot of us know someone who is transgender or non-binary, right? Well, it's hard to get it. And so I do think that progress is being made. I think that these are just angry, angry old people who don't, like, Senator Hall was like, back in my day, we didn't, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what they also had back in the day, Senator Hall, they had, like, segregated schools, so like, get with the time. <laughs> so I think it's just, I think it's just an old dying breed with just one final hit. Yeah, and a majority of people do understand that we're in the middle of a pandemic, the electric grid needs to be fixed, uh, and that there are more important things to do than worry about trans right. kids who are being taken care yeah. of by their parents. Yeah. Um, okay. And their doctors. Yeah. And their doctors. Well, but the parents who are taking their kids to a doctor to get the medical care that they need. Um, for people who want to understand your family a little bit better, how did you find out that Max was transgender? Was it something Max said to you? Was it something that you noticed about him? Yeah. So I, I'm not sure I'm really so comfortable talking about his transition to that his story, but I can just say that um, I just knew that he was, when he was, a, when he was very young, he was very happy and very trusting. And as time went on, he became um, more anxious. And less forgiving of himself and he made it really hard on himself. Mm -hmm. And there was, there was just a lot of issues happening. Um, I don't really want to talk specifically about his transition, other than that's his story. Sure. But, um, but what, when I finally understood what he had been trying to tell me, uh, of course, we didn't have the word, we didn't understand the word transgender, and my family didn't. This was years ago. This was nine years ago, right? Um, and he's 13 now, like, I didn't understand that word. Um, what I did finally understand that he was trying to tell me, and I found ways to support him in that, again, that was that social transition. Um, it was as if someone had, like, opened up the curtains of a sunshine, and he just, he just perked like that back up. He was, you know, he could sleep through the night, he could pay attention in school, he, um, he was just, he was, he was the baby I used to know. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, I'm intentionally vague today when I talk about the support he received because quite frankly, it's nobody's business. He leaves it all, except his legislature. The fact is, he and the tens of thousands of of the Pacific state are, um, are supported and are well-adjusted, confident, you know, overachievers who are here to do, to live their lives, uh, just like preachers did across the state, and and when you're trying to take the support away from that, then you're you're putting them up to failure or worse. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I want to I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago, and that is, you know, how we we know more about and we or know more trans individuals than we did four or five years ago. You know, mm -hmm. throughout the country, and that's true. But I think they're still largely they see the people who are, I guess, comfortable with trans individuals, they, a lot of them still draw the line with that's an adult issue. And here we are back to square one with kids because they see it as a choice. And, um, you know, there was a child who did also testify. How, what, how, what was the reaction from the um, Congress people or the senators when they heard a child testify? <laughs> 
Well, yeah, there were, there were several children. I think like five chapters that lit up the room. She's very famous. She's 10 years old. I've known her mom, Kimberly, for years. Um, at the end, uh, you know, she gives this, this wonderful, like, both searing and sweet testimony. Like, I'm tired of asking grown-ups to make better choices. You know, like, right. be better. You know, stop being a bully. Like, you know, I mean, this, this really sweet, wonderful, searing thing. And then at the, at the end, the character's going out of the question. And then Kai's like, seriously, y'all don't have any questions? And we kind of feel like we who were sitting there in the, mm-hmm. in the, in the gallery upstairs. But I thought about it and I thought, why don't you have any questions? Like, we're literally debating the lives of transgender children, whether or not we choose them live or die, basically. And here is a literal transgender child in front of you, and you have no questions. No questions. It was, it was devastating. I was so upset with that. Um, to go back to your first point, though, about how people think of the book, how the track is this is an adult issue that's really too young to choose and choose to decide. I just always ask them, I'm like, I'm sorry, like, when did you decide you were a boy? Like, when did that happen? And they're like, oh, I didn't decide, I just am. I'm like, cool. <laughs> right? Like, right. when did you realize that? Oh, like, when I was three or four, like, hmm. Right? Like, maybe trans kids know what they're talking about. Like, you're going to... You're not going to question a, a four-year-old his gender boy and his gender identity, but you're going to stop and question the gender identity of the other 10 or 12-year-old transgender boy or a 15-year-old. Right. Like, it's not like you turn 18 and suddenly it's like you understand who you are. Like, these kids know who they are at a very young age, and it's our job as parents, doctors, and legislators to provide that support that they need to be themselves. You know, every transgender person who... I've ever spoken to other than one has said that they knew that they were transgender when they were a kid. They knew something was wrong first and they knew that it, once they figured it out, they knew that they were the, not the sex that they were assigned at birth. Mm-hmm. One friend, she found out she had never heard about transgender before uh, when she was about 47. She heard about it and said, oh, yeah, that's what I am. And within a year, he transitioned. Right. She's a crazy person. I, I, know, I, love that, I love that story. And I think, you know, another, another word that describes as crazy is when people seem to call it the trans trenders. Have you heard this word? Oh, no, I hadn't heard no. Oh, yeah. Oh, I hate it. I hate that word so much. And there was someone um, also who testified saying that, you know, it's Hollywood of putting these ideas in our kids. Oh, stop the know. madness. And I'm like, I'm sorry, my son and I have known him he has like three or four, probably didn't want this person to be turned into five, and his son's a panda, and he didn't turn out to be a panda, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but I think that your, your friend who's 47, it's like, she just may not have ever heard that word before. And, I, I, and we're hearing, hearing about, uh, we've seen the data out there that, you know, younger generations more and more are identifying as somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum. And it's, it's not because it's trendy, it's because we're finally having these conversations mm-hmm. and making right. space for these kids to, to be themselves at a much younger age. And, and I, you know, I only wish that your, your, your friends would have you know, heard that word transgender sooner. Know, 45 years earlier. Oh, she tried everything. She tried being gay. She tried being, you know, she tried everything. And then she, then she just decided that's what it is. That's what it is. If only I would have known. If only we would have been talking about earlier, you know? Right.
So where does where does SB sixty forty six stand right now? Uh, I hope it's I hope it's dead. I don't know. Uh, I think it's still left pending in committee, which means it has not been voted on. Um, it may not stay that way. I'm very hopeful that um, more conversations like this, the more traction that my testimony gets, the more traction that Kai Shapley's testimony gets. I hope that you know if they're if they're not going to listen to us from one the room. I'm hopeful that their constituents will continue to listen and make phone calls. So right now, I believe 1646 is left pending the committee. Um, if it gets voted through the committee, then it will go to the Senate. We can be, we can be sure that it is passed to the Senate, and then it will have to go settle over with the House committee. So I'm, I'm hopeful that it will stay left pending, um, and, but I'm more hopeful that all of these bills will be fixed and done, because mm-hmm. it's just ridiculous. It's a waste of time and tax dollars. And for those listening, again, one of these bills have already passed. Like it's not, it's signed into law, and that's in I'm Arkansas, sorry. correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, there's I'm one. Yes, in Arkansas. No, in Arkansas. Well, and in yeah. South Dakota, one of these laws uh, didn't pass the House or Senate, or it, it didn't get voted out of the legislature. So the yeah, there was a fourth bill that got passed, but then the, but then the governor vetoed it. I'm not sure if they have. I'm sure they have. No, I'm referring to the one that the um, the governor signed into law through executive order. Well, I hadn't oh, heard about that one. Yeah. Wow. Uh, last week or week before, and then announced mm-hmm. she's planning on or she's thinking of running for president. Mm. Oh, well, bless her heart. Uh huh. But the one in Arkansas, the one in Arkansas actually made it to the governor's desk and he vetoed it. And they went back and they over they overrode it. Now that tells you that tells you they were that's some hateful intention. Yeah, yeah. And and the ACLU is uh, is going to sue them. I I wish they would have done it already. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very hopeful. That, I mean, the ACLU like they know what they're doing. Like they 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 don't lose cases. And when you see you know when when states uh, are sued over anti-trans policies, specifically ones that target trans kids, trans kids win. Like, these cases consistently get thrown out uh, and, and, and trans kids get protected, but in the meantime, it's an awful waiting game, waiting for justice for the law. We shouldn't mm-hmm. have to have this out in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we need people to do, this is a call to action, which we're not allowed to do. Uh, if you're against any of these bills, Call your state representatives and state senators and let them know that uh, you do not support anything that, uh, or, or let them know how you feel about these bills. Either right. way, I, think, I agree. I think it's also important if people would like to make voice um, to uh, call the, the Speaker of the House as well. I think uh, a lot mm-hmm. of these bills get children in the House. And so focusing also on the Speaker, I think, would be a tremendous help if people wanted to help in that sort of way. Right, and and the speaker, he's not a bad guy. No, I mean he's gone public more than once saying that he's against, you know, gay bashing, and I'm oh. hoping he's more, you know, he, I I believe he has a cousin, um, he may be LGBTQ, and I'm mm-hmm. sure other people in his life. I mean, you know, trans kids are everywhere, you know, so there may be other people in his life. He's, he's said more than once. He's doubled down on it. He's like he's like hired all the gay bashing. Mm-hmm. I don't right. know the state legislature. Let's, let's hope that means. That, 
We need to take a break. Uh, you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis. And our guest is Amber Briggle. We'll be back with more with Amber right after this. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here with Laurent Landis. Um, Amber, if you didn't have a busy enough week last week, uh, we just heard your grandma died. Um, during yeah, the week. Uh, yeah. yeah she, she passed away in February. Thank goodness not from COVID. Um, oh. uh, yeah, and I just, I just got back from her funeral last night up in Minnesota. Um, my heart is so full being with my family. It was wonderful. Um, she was, so her name is, is, was, is Joe. Grandma Joe, her funeral was just so lovely. It, it was all about love, just unconditional love. All of them. I come from a really big family. Grandma Joe and Grandpa Phil had seven kids. They all got married and had a ton of big Catholic family. And we all got along. You know, all of us. And we run the whole spectrum politically. And all of us get along. I mean, that was a miracle, right? And mm-hmm. all of us get along. Grandpa Joe, I remember, he started like, if, if we have a minute to share, sure. mm-hmm. I just want to honor her memory. She, um, so when I was pregnant, with Max, I, again, I didn't care if I was having a boy or girl. I just, I really felt intuitively that it was a boy. A lot of the dreams that I had were of a boy. And actually, if you ask other uh, mothers of trans children, a lot of them must say the same thing. Like, I thought for sure that I didn't go, you know? Mm-hmm. And but I thought, I really felt intuitively that I was having a boy. I, I didn't do the, I didn't speak down there when we were doing the scan at some weeks because I love surprises. And I just was like, I know I'm having a boy. Well, I was living in the Netherlands at the time. My grandma was you know, in Minnesota, and we talk, and she's like, oh, I kind of think you're having a boy, too, and Grandma Joe was the type of person, Joe was the type of person, uh, she, I mean, she could just look at you, she's like, oh, you're having a boy, oh, you're having a friend, like, I, like she was just, she just me, right? <laughs> well, then, when my child was born, and he was just with a girl, you know, I was shocked, and I was like, oh, how could I get this so long, and I called my grandma, she's like, well, I didn't know, they were living in the Netherlands, and, you know, maybe I didn't get to see you, so, so then later, when I tell her many years later, but Max is indeed a boy. She's like, I knew it. She's like, 100%. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> and then another story that I just, I love to share. It was Max, maybe, gosh, three or four. I was, I was pregnant with my second child at the time. We went back up to Minnesota for Christmas. And Grandma Jo, like, her love language is giving gifts. Like, she just had to give me peace of her heart anytime that she saw you. And she, um, you know, comes from a big family, and so he doesn't have much money, and so eventually she's like, well, I can't buy, you know, presents for the grandkids anymore, I'll just I'll focus on the great-grandkids, because there were plenty of them at that time, too. Mm-hmm. And so she got all the great-grandchildren um, matching pajamas, and the boys got a blue stripey, like, top and bottom with like, a teddy bear, and the girls got, like, pink nightgowns with the dolls. This was before Max the transition. But he knew he would never wear the pink. And so all the girls, plus Matt, all the girls got the pink. And all the boys, plus Matt, because this is the transition, got the blue. Mm-hmm. Like, she understood him. She never oh, wanted wow. to be my child. She was an amazing woman. She lived to the age of 86. And I'm so blessed to have, you know, decades of memories with my grandmother. She was just the most mm-hmm. tremendous, wonderful woman. And she taught us all how to love each other. But that's what families should be. Yeah. 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 It's all love. It was just, yeah. 
It's, I'm devastated she's not here, but I'm so grateful for the lessons that she left us. It, I mean, it reminded me of the story the first time I was on a radio show, back when I was in college a hundred years ago. Um, I remember it was a call-in show, and I remember one of the questions that just stumped me. I didn't know how to answer it. Uh, the question was a simple, does your family accept you? And I thought, accept me? They're my family. It just never occurred to me no. that your family wouldn't accept you for some reason. And unfortunately, that is the case for yeah, unfortunately for it our is. family. Yeah, and I'm very blessed that that's not ever been the case in my family. And that's wonderful. Uh, I mean, yeah. I guess that's why you're able to be such a firm, strong advocate. Not just for Max, but it, it, in the case of the bill that we're talking about, for yourself not being turned into a criminal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm, used to, I'm used to online bullies and trolls calling me a child abuser. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, it sucks, but it's like, I'm secure in who I am. I'm secure in the advocacy that I'm doing, and I, and I know that my children know that they are loved. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's what I'm not used to is when, and, and you know, those, those online bullies and they have no power over me. Like, they're just dummies on the internet. Uh, what I don't, what I'm not used to is when people who do have power over my life, right? Like these elected officials calling me the same when they haven't taken the time to, to get to know me. Or, or they have gotten to know me, like State Senator Jackson. Or you know her husband, the attorney general. They have gotten on me, and they don't care. And they still turn their back on you. I mean, yeah, stab me in the back like that. Just shameful. It's just shameful. So, so Amber, I, I'm a parent too, and I know this past year has been a struggle on the kids for obvious reasons. Um, homework, uh, virtual learning, just you know, just added pressure to being a parent. You have down, you know, the, the extra burden of having to go down and testify and everything. So I just wanted to, you know, ask you, how are you doing? Um, that is a complicated question. I don't know how I'm doing, quite honestly. Like, I am, and my heart is full because I just spent a couple days in Minnesota. I'm vaccinated. Mm -hmm. I got to hug my humans. Oh, good, good. Right. Um, and I'm also, like, terrified. For my family, mm -hmm. um, and I'm a small business owner, and I haven't slept in a year because how do you run a small business in a pandemic? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm fine. It's you know I'm doing. You just got to do the work. I'm so grateful for this opportunity on the show today. I, I somehow you know found 15 minutes of fame during this. I'm going to work every single second that I can to be as much good as I can. Um, but I you know look back at some of these pictures on the timeline on, on Facebook and I see Max up there, you know, eight years old doing this work. You know, he didn't want to be on the show today because he's like, I'm done. I'm over it. So like, I hear you, kids. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to just feel like you shouldn't have to do this work. Right. Um, I'm all right. My kids, my kids are doing, I mean, my kids are fine. You know, they're still doing connected learning at home. Um, but, you know, we're, more and more of our friends are getting vaccinated so they get to hang out with more and more of their friends too. My husband, though, God bless him. He is a professor and hasn't done any research or writing on his own in a year because he has just, I mean, he's practically been a single parent this year while I've hustled to get my business back on track, you know, and the kids are doing online learning at home and they always have questions and he's an educator, so he's good at camping. I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm like, do it yourself, you know, and he's an educator. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Um, God, God bless my husband. There's no way I couldn't have gone down to Austin working out here watching the kids do supervise their online learning because mm-hmm. he's going to watch the kids do their work. Are the kids going to skip a day of school to hang out in the Capitol building? Like that doesn't seem right. I mean, he's he's fantastic. I just have to I just have the best partner. I'm so fortunate. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to hear because yeah. what you're doing helps all of us. And when I said that, I've actually had. Some people in the LGBT community say to me, how is it helping all of us? Because if they win one of these, then they'll go after the next thing, then they'll yep. go after the next one of those, mm-hmm. yep. then they'll go after the Absolutely. next one of those, then they'll go after the next one of those, and they'll keep going yeah. until until they ha- until they've won, I don't know what they perceive. perceived. I, I, because I really don't understand what they think Max being Max does to them. Right. How in any way it affects anybody other than it, your family? It doesn't. It just it just gets out votes in the primary, and we just keep getting we keep electing more and more extreme candidates. And I think it's important for your listeners to know too. You know, you don't have to be registered with a political party to vote in a primary. Mm-hmm. You can vote in either one. You can only vote in one, but you can choose which one you vote in each year. And I think it's really important that people follow that that you know those election dates. And vote in primaries because otherwise oh, like, you just keep getting these extremists who drove trans kids under the bus to you know win points and they keep getting reelected and that's what gets them in the office but they're just going to keep doing it. Uh, but it's really important to just get involved. Uh, and it's the only way we're going to win this is by making our voice heard for sure. Right. And again, I want to repeat something that you said during this week that I just love. Uh, one of the things he said that it was the only thing when Max transitioned, the only thing that changed were a few pronouns. Of course, we mm-hmm. love him. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. We need to uh, break because we're still keeping the studio as clean as we can for each other. For one show is wiping down the counters, changing windscreens on the mics, and, and we're trying to keep each other safe here at the studio. So, Amber, thank you so much thank for you what so you much, did Amber. this week. Thank you so much for helping to amplify this. If, if those legislators aren't going to listen to me, uh, I hope their constituents will. And not just me, but listen to trans me, the trans kids who love it. So thank you so much for having me out there so you can uh, shine a light on this issue. Hey, thanks. Yeah. And as soon as we can have guests in the studio, we want you and your family to come to the studio. I love that. Thank you so much. Sure. So for all of us here at Lambda Weekly, we'll see you next week. <laughs>